church, would you please rise for our first song. Remember who is living in you oh, oh, oh. 
prophet or angel above All we know is that the world will bow When he comes in on the clouds scripture as we are in the well second week of a new sermon series entitled Serving Challenge. We're looking at Philippians chapter 2. So let me share that scripture with you. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is God's word for us. We now continue as we profess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Let's open up worship by going to God in prayer. If you would please, bow your heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning for this opportunity to be together in your, in your, uh, in your house. Lord, we ask this morning that you calm our fears and allow us to look to you in worship 
as you are the one who created all things. You are the king of the universe. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, this morning we ask that you bless our time together as well as the music we're playing and the message we're about to receive. And Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart. and girls come on up front for the kids message come on up here find a seat up here on the floor yeah come on up front we got Buzz Lightyear with us today that's awesome I was gonna say we have a special guest but I didn't know Buzz Lightyear was gonna be here we also have my daughter Romy 
who some of you may know. She works at the daycare. She works at Blast Summer Camp, so you might know her from there or just from being around here at church. She's a senior at Lakeview High School. She's graduating this year. And Romy, what are your career plans? So eventually I plan to go to Northeast for nursing and then transfer to UNMC. Um, yeah, and go into the nursing field. Great. All right, so you've got a really big backpack there. You're going to carry all your college books in that backpack? Not quite. I'm actually going to pack all my clothes and supplies in here and live out of it for nine months. Wait a minute. Are you going to college? Eventually. Eventually you're going to college, but not right away. No. So why not? What are you going to do? I'm going on a nine-month mission trip. Um, I'm going to go to four countries, uh, Guatemala, South Africa, Eswatini, and Indonesia. All right. So for nine months, while a lot of your classmates are trying to figure out how to fit their, their microwave and their refrigerator and their bed into their dorm room and all their clothes, you've got to figure out, turn around so they can, the kids can see this, you've got to figure out how you can pack everything you need in this backpack for nine months and you're going to travel halfway around the world. Look, look at where she's going. So we live right here. See that? About there. Nebraska. Right? She's going to fly to where first? Georgia. Yep. Gainesville, Georgia. And then from there, where did you say you're going? Guatemala. Guatemala. And then from Guatemala all the way down there. Where's that? South Africa. South Africa. And then another little country. What's it called? Eswatini. Eswatini. And then when you're done there, you're flying all the way over here to? Indonesia. Indonesia. So she's going to end up there. And we live over here. Do you see that? She's going to go more than halfway around the world. Are you scared to go on this trip? A little bit, but not really. Why not? Well, I know God's got a plan for me, and he's calling me to do this, so I just have to trust in that and that he's going to use me in good ways to serve a lot of people. Yeah. So how, how much do you get paid for this? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. You get paid nothing for this. So why do you want to postpone your career, your college plans, your goals, to spend nine months living out of this backpack and serving people that you've never even met? I just feel like that it's something that God um, is calling me to do and how I can make it the biggest impact and um, kind of grow in my own faith and also show other people Jesus' love as well. All right, great. Well, you know what? There is a verse that we read this morning, and it talks about Jesus, right? Because we know that Jesus, he left heaven, didn't he? He left heaven, the comfort and the security of heaven, and he came into this world. He took on flesh and came into this world. And Philippians 2 verse 5 tells us, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. So we want to have the same mindset as Christ and be willing to, to go wherever God sends us to love people like Jesus does and not put our own wants and needs first, right? But to put the, the wants and the needs of other people first so we can show Jesus Show them Jesus' love. And that's what you're going to do, isn't it? Yep. Yep. All right. Well, you know what? This today, think, thinking about what you're doing, where you're going, and your attitude. Um, we're talking about a serving attitude today. I read a book recently called Flesh. 
and we talked about Jesus taking on flesh, coming in to this world to, to serve and save us. Um, and there's a quote from this book that you make me think of, Romans. So I want to read this. It's a great quote. And in the book called Flesh by Hugh Halter, he says, If you want a safe faith, you will never really know God because he doesn't hang out in the shallow end much. And you're not going to hang out in the shallow end, are you? You're, not quite. you're jumping in with both feet and being willing to go wherever God sends you. So uh, thank you, Romy, for being an, an inspiration and an example to us of a deep faith and also that serving attitude of wanting to serve people like Jesus serves us. Kids, can you help me pray for Romy? Do you guys want to stand up? Romy, do you want to sit on this stool? You sit right here. And kids, let's, let's gather around Romy. And you can put a hand on her backpack or on her arm, and we're going to pray together, okay? So just come and gather all around her, and we will all pray for Romy, all right? And the adults can join us too, all right? Will you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, you love us and you send us out into this world. Be with Romy as she prepares. Be with Romy as she travels. And be with Romy as she serves you. Bless her, protect her, and lead her. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, boys and girls, thank you for helping me pray for Romy. You can head on back to your seats. And... We all can come around Romy today. We have an envelope challenge going on out in the family gathering space where you can take an envelope. Each envelope has a, a dollar amount on it from $1 to $100. Take an envelope, um, put the money in the envelope, put it in the basket um, out there, and we can support Romy. Also pray for Romy. Um, you can also follow what she's doing by reading her blog throughout the nine months that she's going to be gone. And there's also some fun thank you prizes in the envelopes. So you don't know what it's going to be until you snag an envelope and look inside and see what's in there. But uh, thank you for praying and encouraging and supporting Romy. Matthew 28, right, tells us to go and make disciples of all nations. And uh, Romy's feeling this calling, this sense of calling to go to the other side of the world. Uh, maybe God isn't calling you to do that. Maybe it's just to your neighbor or to a family member. Or maybe it is to support Romy in your prayers, in your finances, so that as she goes and shares Jesus with people that she's never met, uh, she would have that support from her church family. So encourage you to do that. Again, the envelope challenge is going to be in the family gathering space right outside of these doors. So um, encourage you to be a part of it. Uh, also, uh, let me tell you about the Haiti, uh, Haiti rice packing. We're getting ready for that. It's wonderful, April 6th. But we're still raising funds for the rice packing. So if God puts it on your heart that you would like to financially support that, uh, we're going to be collecting funds for this rice packing event, I think, up until the 29th of February. So as the, as the Lord moves you, I know we'll have a table out there as well. Uh, people in prayer, if, you, if you're here today and you're like, boy, I sure wish I could pray with somebody or, you know, I have just something on my heart. Between services, just over in this area, we just gather and whoever would like to can come. 
sit, maybe ask for a prayer or pray yourself, and there'll be some other people to pray with you. I'll be over there following the service today. So just invite you to do that. And then the last one I mentioned, the Red Letter Challenge, we're, we're in this um, new series. And every single week we're going to be preaching on the five aspects of serving as demonstrated by Jesus and his calling for you and me to do the same, to follow his lead. And so we'll have that as our theme on Sunday. But then during the week, we're going to have different opportunities for you to maybe talk about this, discuss this, go a little bit deeper. Uh, we have different small group experiences throughout the week. Encourage you to jump in and be a part of it. Get into that discussion. And again, my prayer for me is that I would serve more like Jesus than I've ever done before. So I want to encourage you to be thinking of that. Now, the uh, usual announcements, but very important announcements. If you're a guest here today, welcome. We are glad that you're with us in worship. We invite you to come on back. Uh, we'd love to get to know you somehow, some way, whether you catch us after the service or stop at Next Steps or even text 1C guest to 94,000, just a, a way for you to uh, make yourself known. Also, we're going to have a time of prayer, and if you'd like to include the prayer in service today, you could text your prayer to 402-242-5051. Uh, we're also going to have communion today, and here at 1C, we believe it's a gift. It is the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. We'd love for you to join us as we celebrate that in just a little bit. And then the last one is, we believe as a church that the Bible says all of us have been blessed by God. And he wants us to say thank you to him. And we do that in the singing of the songs, in the praying of the prayers, serving. Like, example, Romy is going to make her way into another part of the world or serving in your community, right? Um, you could do that. And also in the giving of tithes and offerings. So in just a little bit, we're going to be passing the joy box. So you, you can uh, do that or a joy basket. Uh, there's also different ways to give online as well. But again, may God bless our time together as we worship our God who loves us with an everlasting love.
song because it, it points us to what we have to look forward to. You know, there will be a day we're going to meet him face to face and we're going to see him and it's going to be glorious. But until then, he does still meet us face to face on this earth. He's given us the Bible, the word of God, the scriptures. He's given us communion, the Lord's Supper, where we believe he is really present and he comes to people like you and me. So in preparation for meeting him in this meal, like to invite you to join with me to pray a prayer of confession, uh, being honest with God about our great need and his mercy he offers. Let's pray together. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. Ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. 
And it is for the sake of Jesus that our sins are forgiven. His suffering, death, and resurrection has paid our sins and have paved the way so that we can go to heaven and be with him forever. So may this good news give you strength and peace and joy like nothing else. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper. And after he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. We continue the celebration.
I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know what you've spoken. Oh, I'm already loved more than I could imagine. And that is enough. Oh, I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life, for mission, for ministry, all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Father, we just thank you that we can come to you with all that weighs upon us and that you hear us. The prayers for a student who is undergoing brain surgery. Please guide the hands of the surgeons and the medical professionals, and we pray for a speedy recovery for Michaela. Prayers for members of Bob Warner's family. Many members are sick and have come down with illnesses, Lord, and we just ask you to just wrap your hands around, around all that family members in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that we can uh, just rely on you. And all the prayers spoken and unspoken this morning, you know what weighs upon us and help us to trust you and to come and lay it at your feet. And we just know that you are there for us, Lord. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. There are certain events that happen in one's life that you do not forget. And this one goes back, I think, about 38 years, maybe, maybe 39 years. And I was a, uh, an intern. They call it a vicar. I was like in my third year at the seminary, and then they send you off somewhere. And I went to a small town in Minnesota. And, you know, I was just getting used to doing ministry. And... Once in a while, I would let things kind of build up inside of me. And I remember the secretary there could tell that I was um, uh, either frustrated or upset or just getting to the point of maybe, you know, whatever. And she said, Vicar Jim, come here. And so I came and she said, walk this way. So we go down the hallway and there is this closet there. And she opens up the closet and she says, pick one. Now, in the closet were a bunch of dishes, plates, platters, bowls, all kinds of diff different dishes. She said, and I, I looked at her like, this is a little confusing. She said, just pick one. Trust me. So I picked one. I don't know what I picked. Maybe the platter because it's always, you know, go big or go home, right? Get the biggest one. And she says, follow me. So we walk, and we go outside. We go around the corner of the church, and she says, all right, take about five steps back, take the platter, and throw it against the building. And I did. She said, how did it feel? It actually felt pretty good. And she said, do you want to do it again? And I said, yeah. So I go and get another thing, and I throw another one. I'm, I'm like, this is pretty cool. I don't know if you've uh, known, but there's a, there's a phenomena that is taking place in our country today. It's called rage rooms. Anybody know what, the, what that means? Some of you do, right? You can go into a room, and there's a whole bunch of things in there that you could bust if you'd like to. TVs, you name it, you could just kind of go at it. I'm thinking that's just one way to deal with our attitude or our anger, right? Well, today we're going to take a look at the theme of attitude. And really there's what I call the Jesus way of dealing with things. And then there's our human flesh. It's what we deal with all the time. And the best way always is the Jesus way. So we're going to take a look at that. And today this uh, serving aspect number one is all about attitude. And let me give you a definition, kind of a working definition for us. Attitude is a combination 
of emotional and rational factors that lead to action. In other words, your heart and your head, when they start kind of doing their thing, then all of a sudden there's an action. So what, what's in your head and what's in your heart really matter. Now this next slide is just a reminder of what we went through, well, a couple months ago now. Um, it's from Hebrews 11. And there was this list, right? The Bible leads to truth, truth leads to faith, you know, all the way down to lifestyle leads to future. And I would like to say this, that with every single character that we looked at from Hebrews chapter 11, they had a certain attitude. And that attitude was evident in their actions. Their head and their heart moved to actions. And I would like to propose this concept, that when faith is present, attitude is effective. When faith is present, attitude is effective. And I'll say this, when faith isn't present, attitude is effective as well. And one is godly, one I'll just say it could be deadly. And so the way of Jesus is the godly way of attitude. So we're going to look at that. And that's where Paul, in his letter to the church in Philippi, he says something like this in Philippians 2 verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Is that easy? No. I mean, I just think about the the uh, old Adam sinful nature that we all have, and our attitude, if God says do this, we want to do that. If God says go right, we go. That's our old Adam. That's our sinful nature. And it's all because of what's happened because of Adam and Eve, but because of our perspective as well. I'm going to share with you a scripture that's going to come from Mark 7, but just a little background to this. The disciples were followers of Jesus. They understood also Jewish tradition and Jewish culture and Jewish law. And there was an incident that was found in Mark 7, so you could read the whole story, of where they were not following some of the rituals, like washing their hands, like it was a ceremonial thing. And they were, well, they were in trouble with the Pharisees. The Pharisees came to Jesus and were like, you know, hey, what about these people? They're just not doing it. And Jesus got to the heart of the matter. That they were more concerned, the Jewish, the Pharisees, all about the external and not about the internal. They were all about the, quote, actions that could be seen by people rather than what's in the heart and what's in the head. And so Jesus said these words. And then he added, it is what comes from inside you that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Now, for the Jewish Pharisees, as well as, I will say, people today, sometimes they think it's your action and your rituals or 
you know, the things that you kind of do that really is the important part. But no, Jesus says it's from what starts within. That's going to make a difference in your actions and in your attitude, right? And our old Adam, our sinful nature, in and by itself, is really an enemy of God, wants to go contrary to God, doesn't have the things of God in mind. But when God's spirit becomes involved, things can take place. That's why there's a tension between what I call the attitude of the world and the attitude of Jesus. And the attitude of the world is this. Greatness is measured in terms of power and wealth and position. And if you don't have it, sometimes you do whatever you need to go get it. I mean, think about the, the temptation of Jesus. Remember, he's starting his ministry. Now, now, we're in Lent, and we're almost near the end of his public ministry. But about three and a half years earlier, he had fasted for 40 days. He's then taken out by the devil himself into the desert, and he's tempted with really these things of power, of wealth, of position. He says, you know, turn these stones into bread. Jump down from the pinnacle of the temple. You know, bow down and worship me, and I'll, I'll give you all of these things. Because the devil, that's what he's been tempting humanity with since the very beginning of time. And he will not give up. He comes after each and every one of us. And he dangles in front of us those things. And I'll just tell you, I fall for it just like you. And he is so good at tempting. And so I'd like to give you two common denominators, one that hopefully will frame our time together. The first common denominator is that um, of all humanity is that we're tempted to sin. There's not a single person that has walked the face of the earth, and that's Jesus too. There's not a single person that has not been tempted by the devil. The, the scriptures talk about him being like a, a, a roaring lion, a lion that's ready to pounce, and, and he's doing that. He wants to do it, and we see it in this world today, and if we're honest, we see it in our lives too. But the other common denominator that is more important than that is the common denominator that all of us need a Savior. Because if left on our own, we would stumble and fall into every temptation that comes our way. We need somebody who is powerful, somebody who is loving, somebody who is consistent, somebody who is always by our side, somebody who will see us through this earth to the glories of heaven. We need a savior. As we look at the gospels, there are many stories where we see this tension or these common denominators taking place. You know, the temptation and the need for a savior. And one of them that I'd like to kind of walk you through quickly and give you just a little running commentary is the story found in John chapter 8. And it's the story of the woman that was caught in adultery, taken out to the edge of town, and then there was this dialogue that ensued between the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, and Jesus. Now, I'll just tell you that if you look into the uh, little notes in your Bible, sometimes it will say that John chapter 8 is not found in some of the oldest manuscripts of the Bible, so in the Greek. 
And a lot of theologians have wondered why. Why was it not found in some of the oldest manuscripts? Because I'm going to tell you, I think it's a ridiculous story. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. What Jesus did for this woman. So let's look at the story and see how ridiculous it is. And then I want you to, in a sense, put yourself in the place of that woman. Maybe you weren't caught in adultery. Maybe you, if, if there's a camera on you, you'd be caught for gossiping or, you know, crossing the line somehow. All of us do that. But Jesus' response, his attitude for this woman is life-changing. So let's look at the story and see the attitude of Christ being Play it out here. All right, we start with Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of, of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Now let me stop there. What do you notice? What happened? What, what happened? What was about, um, what were the Pharisees upset with? Out loud, somebody. Adultery took place. And the last time um, I figured this out was adultery needs two people. And who is brought before Jesus? Just a woman. So this is a little strange, okay? It's strange. But we could see what's going on here. All right, their attitude, their head and their heart, because it wasn't right, led to an action that was wrong. Do you get that? When your head and heart are not right, it leads to a wrong action. So here they bring this woman to Jesus, just the woman, not the man. We continue. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Deuteronomy chapter 22. It is the letter of the law. These Pharisees and teachers of the law, were, they were quoting scripture. They were quoting the law of Moses. Yes, that is what is supposed to take place. But now we know from the scripture what was their motive? The next verse. They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. You see, what was going on is Jesus started teaching contrary to what they were teaching. He was talking about the love of God, the availability of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the extent of love that God has. And the Pharisees were like, whoa, wait a minute, this is going to affect our, our perspective. Because they were teaching some things that were different. Like it's all about your behavior and how good you are that you're going to be right with God. And now Jesus is saying, oh no, it's not about how good you are, it's how good God is. And so they were really upset with that, and so they were going to come after him. And they've been plotting and plotting to do this. And I love referring back to the chosen, because they, they depict some of this in some of the scenes where you could just see the Pharisees, Sadducees going like, okay, we've got to have our witnesses in line. We've got to get him, because people are starting to listen. 
people are starting to have their lives changed, not by the ritual or the outside action, but by changed hearts, and they were upset. Uh, the next scripture, it says, Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Interesting, we're not told what he wrote. We're just told that he stooped down. In fact, we're going to find that he stoops down one more time. And commentators wonder what it was. Was he just doodling, kind of wasting time? Um, was, he, was he maybe writing the names of the Pharisees and Sadducees in the sand and writing their specific sins? I don't know. I would like to think this. I have no proof of it, but I'm thinking this is it. I think he was probably just drawing the cross. He was drawing what he was going to do for a woman like this and for men and women like us. Just ponder that. We don't know. It'd be kind of neat to know what he was drawing, but we don't. So uh, we continue. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Notice those are in red letters. Jesus is now really addressing the issue at hand. And it's a cliche, but it's so true at a moment like this. While this woman did commit adultery, this woman crossed the line. The foot, I mean, um, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Have you ever heard that, that phrase? The ground is level at the foot of the cross. That means when we come to this cross and we stand before it and we look at our Savior, none of our sins are worse than the other. They're all bad in God's eyes. And these Pharisees and Sadducees were thinking her sin was worse than theirs. Because they'd admit that they were sinners, but nothing like that woman. But look what happened after he said this. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust, and we don't know what he was writing. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. You ever ponder why the order? Why the older ones left first and the younger ones stayed? I'm going to tell you, this is my world. When I was a younger pastor, um, how do I want to say this? There's right and there's wrong. Now, there's still right and wrong. In fact, we had uh, most of my family in town recently, and I was talking to my oldest daughter about these things and something that I had learned over the years is that, oh, boy, it's one thing to love, okay? And it's also another thing to have judgment. And when I was younger, judgment was maybe a little bit more available to me than love. I just knew and I saw some of the stuff my kids did that was wrong. And I don't know if they always knew that I loved them. Because right is right, wrong is wrong. Love changes hearts. 
fact, there's a scripture that says, mercy, which is kindness and love, triumphs over judgment. So if anything is going to change the heart of this woman, it's not going to be this judgment. It's not going to be uh, stones that are going to be thrown at her. That's not how it's going to happen. Love will change this, this woman's life. And that is the same for you and me. And that is the attitude that Jesus is now holding out there. In the face of how the, the Jewish Pharisees and Sadducees would do it, come down with the law, be judgmental, let, knock them down. And Jesus was like, oh no. Whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. Verse 10. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Just think about it. If, if there could be any accuser, it would be Jesus, right? He is the one that never committed sin. And her response was, no, Lord, she said. And then he goes, neither do I. Go and sin no more. I mean, it's beautiful that he loves her, forgives her, gives her a chance of life again, right, instead of being stoned to death. But then he challenges her, you go now. You go and leave your life of sin. Don't sin anymore. And I'll just say in my journey, your journey, I'll just say the enemy wants to come and whisper all the time all sorts of things. Maybe it's something that you did 25 years ago or 50 years ago. And, and the enemy will just come whisper in your, your, your head, you're no good. You did this or that. In fact, I find that the battle of, the number one battle of, of humanity has to do with this. You can get to that, please. Yep. We listen to the lies of the enemy more than the truth of the gospel. The lies of the enemy is your sin will forever keep you separated from God. Your sin is so great, it cannot be forgiven. Your sin is so great, God is going to be disgusted with you forever. That is not the truth of the gospel. Let me share with you from Psalm 145, verses 17 to 20. It says, the Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him. And one psalm after another, and I'll just say even throughout scripture, we are told of the almighty love that God has for people like you and me. It is beautiful. And I'll say this, because of Jesus, and only because of Jesus, there are things that are different in our life. If I can have the next slide, please. And one more. There we go. You are loved. We're just going to go through this quickly. Forgiven. Healed. New. Redeemed. Free. Blessed. Strong and mighty. Chosen. Empowered. And a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. And I just grabbed a couple of them. There are so many things that God thinks about you. And here's where... I'm going to say there's a choice. 
long time ago, when I would have people in my office, I would talk about these kind of voices that just kind of rattle through our head all the time. And I used to use the illustration of cassette players playing in our head. Anybody know what a cassette player is? Okay, you got to be old enough to know that. And then I moved to MP3 players. Everybody knows what an MP3 player is, all right? That's even like passe right now. Now it's like streaming Spotify or something like that. But we have these things that are playing in our head, and they're always going to be there. But God wants to give us the power and the might to turn down or turn off the lies. The lies that say you're no good. The lies that say you have no hope. The lies that say God is not going to love you. By the power of the Spirit, we could turn that down, and then we can look at that list, and we can believe this is what God says to you and to me because of Christ. And he wants to keep telling us this. So we need to listen to him. That's why worship, whether it's here at church, which we love to see, but worship beyond the four walls of the church. Be into the word of God. Be into prayer. Celebrate his goodness. Let God do a renewing of your mind. In fact, that's where, what Romans 12 says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So my prayer for you and for me as we keep looking at Philippians chapter 2, as we start this process of looking at attitude, which is really this head and heart thing happening, that it starts shaping our actions, our behavior, our intent, so that what we do will give God glory in all that we do. Amen. Let's stand. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Fire from heaven falling down like green.
Everybody, go in peace and serve the Lord.